There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to Humans Vexus Manchester at home with me, Clint Boone. Across this mini-series, I'm going to be talking to some inspirational Mancunians as we continue to celebrate the spirit of our city whilst we're in lockdown. This week, I'm joined by frontman of Manchester band Twisted Wheel, Johnny Brown. Johnny talks about getting to go on tour with his childhood heroes. We'd all looked up to Oasis since since the day we'd heard them, so to actually be on on tour with them was, you know, it was surreal. And he describes how the rock and roll lifestyle led to him struggling with addiction. I lost who I was, uh, and it was it was sad. It was really sad, really, but and it was tough. It gives me great pleasure to welcome to Humans of Excess Manchester at home. A uh, young chap I first stumbled across about 15 years ago, I think it was. He was in a band called The Children. He was the guitarist. They were a brilliant band. And at the time, they appealed to me. They're very reminiscent of the early Inspirals, I thought. Uh, since then, he's gone on to uh, make a name for himself as a frontman of Twisted Wheel. It is Johnny Brown. Welcome to Humans of Excess Manchester. Johnny, how are you keeping? I'm very well, cheers, mate. As good as you can be in the situation. I spoke to you on the phone a couple of days ago and you were saying that how strange it's because you're pretty much living on your own at the moment, aren't you? And your, uh, your dad's down the road with the rest of the family and all that business. So uh, are you keeping your mind in order? Uh, yeah, I've had a few I've had a few days where I've been a bit down. So I lost all motivation. But you've got to just you've got to, you've got to man up and be tough, aren't you? And sort of the best thing to do is get up early. You can go back to bed if you're tired, but get up, get a shower. Get some music playing, have a coffee, yeah. uh, you know, do a bit of tidying up and just, just get, get yourself moving early in the morning and you sort of set yourself up for the day then. Well, uh, the, the, the days when I've sort of stayed in bed and thought I've got nothing to get up for, that's when I've started getting a bit, you know, getting a bit down and negative. So yeah. just, just, yeah, just been getting up early and getting on with stuff. Yeah, I'm fortunate. I live obviously with my wife and three kids and a bunch of animals, so I've got to get up early and get the uh, get the machine moving, the boom machine. <laughs> so, yeah, um, yeah. Hopefully, we'll get back to some sort of normality soon, Johnny. So uh, keep your uh, keep your pecker up in there. Uh, let's get started with the the chat for proper uh, Johnny. I want to talk about you growing up. You were born in uh, the late eighties, was it? And uh, grew up in Oldham. Yeah, I was born in 1986 at St Mary's Hospital. Uh, on Oxford Road, St Mary's. I can't remember. It's right. down that yeah. way. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I grew up in Oldham, so I've lived lived all over. Most most part in Saddleworth. Uh, I lived in quite a few places around Saddleworth, but Upper Mill, uh, Delft, um, Greenfield, and um, yeah, I was. Uh, I've yeah, I've just always been into music, and uh, I, there was a few sort of lads knocking around who who I used to chill out with, you know, mess around as kids, and uh, eventually we started a group, um, 
but yeah, I, I was just sort of always into, into music, really. That's what I used to do as a kid. Um, yeah. It was just 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 trying to try make a band. That's I spent, I spent all my time at school just trying to form a band, but just sort of failing, really, not not getting the right people or, you know, it wasn't the right time, but eventually I got there, so. What were you listening to music-wise? What was the first music that inspired you? Um, the first music was probably um, Led Zeppelin. Like my dad, my dad used to have the video, um, Madison Square Gardens. The song remains the same, I think it was called. So I used to watch that as a kid. Uh, the Beatles, Bob Marley, Kinks, and then obviously like Oasis come out, and and that sort of opened, that got me into all the Manchester music and stuff like that. So they, they Oasis got big when I was about ten, eleven. So it was a good time, really, because I was just sort of really getting into music. And then this band came about that sort of, you know, really connected with the, not just the sort of teenagers and, and that, but, you know, the, the kids, all the kids at school was into it. And, you know, the, the, the girls like Spice Girls and the boys liked Oasis or Blur. It was like quite a big, <laughs> a big thing, man. I can remember that time. Um, I can remember that time totally because I've uh, I've got a daughter that's a little bit younger than you, but she was uh, banging to the Spice Girls like when Oasis were first, you know, first big on the scene. The Spice Girls were in parallel with it, weren't they, for a little while? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, it, it was a crazy time actually, but yeah, uh, yeah I, 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 I was just into music and I always try to form a band, uh, which it did take a while really to find find people who were dedicated, you know, but got there in the end. Yeah, and was that the children? And so when I first met you, you had the children. Was that your first band? That was my first proper band. So I'd left, I'd left secondary school. Like I said, I'd, I'd failed at sort of getting a group together there. But uh, I went to do a music course in Ashton, Tameside College. And um, I met, when I started there, I met a load of lads who was in the year above me. They was all like, into the same sort of music. They got me into a lot of stuff. That's when I sort of discovered Bob Dylan and like more sort of like sort of the, um, 60s garage and stuff. They, they got me into loads of music, them guys. But they sort of took me under the wing because I was like, I was like them, but I was in the year below. So, so I sort of, I had the new gang to hang around with and uh, share music with and stuff like that. They, they had a band, one of the lads had a band. He said, do you want to come and practice with us? And I said, yeah, I'd love to. But uh, I said, I don't have my guitar today. And he said, Oh no, we've got guitarists. You'd be on the bass. So I, I said I don't have a bass. So we, we, in the end, we robbed the college bass when the teachers had <laughs> managed to get it back in the morning. We used to do that for about four months, and uh, and, I, and I started jamming with them. And then as sort of time went on, the guitarist left, and I went on to guitar. Then and I started writing and, uh, and sort of made a name for ourselves. We did quite well, in, you know, at the time. You know, we were selling out Academy Free and. Yeah. You know, we were building a good following up in Manchester. I remember it well, because that was, um, to me, it felt like a, a, another Arctic Monkeys story was about to happen, but right now a doorstep. You know, the, the groundswell of love that you had for the, the, the band, the children back then. Um, yeah, yeah. And I remember the time when I was interviewing Paul Weller, I think it must have been probably 2005 down at the arena. And um, yeah, yeah. we're backstage and as part of the interview, I, I played him an unsigned band called The Children. I played in this CD as part of the interview to see what he thought, just to get a bit of um, support for like this local band. And he immediately loved it, as you know. And um, I got a drunken call from him that night and, and Craddock saying, fucking Ben, the fucking children, man. we've got to fucking work with them. Yeah. And, and, the, and you did, didn't you? Within days, I think you were down at Black Bar, weren't you doing something with them? Yeah, uh, honestly, yeah. I was, I, was, I was very thankful for that, mate, because they, they did get in touch that night. And uh, yeah, it was within about, within a month, it was down at Weller's studio recording the last EP that we made, uh, which was surreal, really. That was, that was like the first, one of the first sort of big, big things that happened to me, really, musically. 
down to you, Clint. So cheers for that. But uh, we we managed to do a few gigs with him actually as well. I think we did the Apollo. Yeah, can't remember where else. But uh, so he was he was a fan of that band, well, I and mean, you know he gave us he gave us a lot of support. And it seemed like not long after that you're off to do your first album over in uh, well, no, it's a couple of years after, but you recording your first album out in LA, weren't you, with Dave Sardi? Yeah, that was with that was with Twisted Wheel. That we'd sign with we signed with Columbia. Yeah, I think after after six months we had about after six months of gigging we'd had about five record deals offered to us, so it was in a good position. We went with Columbia in the end. They they wrote down a load of producers and studios uh, and said like these are all the people we spoke to who would work with you and like we know we knew a few of them and there was like uh, studio Wales a few in Scotland and and so on. Then it was just like uh, Dave Sardi who we'd not actually heard of at the time even though he's massive, uh, it was Dave Sardi and the studio was in Hollywood, LA. And we just was like, we'll go there. <laughs> we didn't know, we didn't know nothing about him, but we wanted to go to LA. So, Amazing. so we, yeah. So, so one, one minute you're in Oldham in that very, I say working class, quite an idyllic part of the world, that, that Sadlerworth area, beautiful, but still very much part of the Oldham sort of mindset. Next thing you're in LA, Sunset Strip. How did you find all that? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Culture shock. Like I'd, I'd never been to the States before, so it was, it was massive. But obviously because we were with Columbia, we were getting looked after proper style. So we got picked up uh, from the airport in like a Hummer. It was all like rock star stuff, you know, like st- we, we got took to the hotel, we put our bags in and then our, our manager's wife, who was actually from LA, she took us straight to the Rainbow, the Rainbow Bar, which is where Lemmy, Lemmy used to go every day and play Space Invaders, you know, one yeah. of those, uh, that, them, them, tables at the computer games in them so we, we was we was hoping to see lemmy she was sort of telling us that that's his regular uh, and we got there and he wasn't there so he was a bit disappointed but robbie williams was there so <laughs> he said a lot of, yeah he's a good lad he isn't he? A, yeah he's a nice guy you know we, yeah. we, uh, it was funny when we, he was the first guy we saw when we walked in and we, it was just like we didn't know what to do at first we was like sort of in hysterics but we uh we got chatting with him he was a nice guy yeah. so unfortunately we didn't see lemmy but yeah we spent uh six weeks in la literally in hollywood uh we'd like we'd get out we'd get out of bed we'd have a big american breakfast in the hotel and we'd just like swan up the road uh literally like 10 minutes up the road it was all beautiful build villas uh, and Sadie's studio was up there. It had like swimming pools and loads of instruments. He had more more keyboards and organs than I've ever seen in my life, mate. It was it was hundreds of hundreds of keyboards and stuff, and uh, it was just a beautiful place to record. Really, really, really good. That must be one of the highlights of your life. That I'm guessing that first trip out to LA. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, we had the weekends off. So we got to uh, we made some friends. Yeah, you've got to, you've got to get friends with the locals in LA because. It's such a big place and everything's so spaced out. You can't just sort of like swan out and go around the corner and do you know what I mean? You've got yeah. to you've got to know what's going on and stuff like that. So we, we, we got some friends and they, they showed us the ropes and uh, it was it was a really good time and time of my life definitely. And at what point did the Gallagher's start there hovering about? Because both Noel and Liam have got a lot of love for what you've done over the years. Aren't they? You're still working with Liam, aren't you? Until recently, when did that yeah, start? Yeah. When did the uh, Gallagher's first get in touch? Was that through Weller? Uh, no, it wasn't actually. We we did. Do you remember Channel M? Yeah. You you yeah. We did the Channel M thing with you. And, That's right. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, That's yeah. Right. It's it's still on YouTube. Uh, Twisted uh, Wheel Channel M Channel M, which was Channel Manchester, wasn't it? I remember this because Noel saw it, didn't he? And made the call. Yeah. No. Noel saw it and he made the call and then his manager came up to see us, uh, Marcus Russell, 
in a gig. I think it was played in Newcastle or somewhere, somewhere northeast. And uh, he came to a few more gigs, and we got chatting. Really got on. So we, so we went with with Marcus Ignition. Uh, he became our manager. Yeah. And then, and then obviously we got we was in contact with Noel, and so Noel asked us to do the Oasis tour, which was like Birmingham, Sheffield, and Wembley. And then through that, we got like a European tour with Oasis. And as well as that, we did Heaton Park, which was massive. So we got some massive gigs out of that. That was a massive break for, for, for the band. I, I know, obviously, to be touring with like, you know, with childhood, childhood heroes, if you know what I mean, we'd, uh, we'd, we'd all looked up to Oasis since, since the day we'd heard them. So to actually be on, on tour with them was, was, you know, it was surreal. Yeah, you talk about some massive high, high points there. I know you've had a lot of low points over the years as well, personally, and, and as a band. You know, there's been times when you've gone off the, uh, off the scene for quite a while. What have been the, yeah. what have been the, the, the biggest highs and the, the, the deepest lows you've experienced, Johnny? I'd say one of the highs that I had was Paul Weller asked me to, after, well, we'd done a load of gigs with Weller with the Twisted Wheels, so I'd started the, the new band and got back in touch with him. He was stuff as well, so we got on tour with him and then he was on stage to play That's Entertainment at Silverstone Racetrack. Yeah. So I, I went on stage and Liam, Liam was there. Liam came down to watch, so it was like Liam Bellig was on stage watching and I was on stage with Craddock and, Weller, and Weller's band and we sung that set of entertainment to about 5,000 people. <laughs> uh, uh, so that obviously was, for anyone, for any artist to do that, it's yeah. massive, isn't it? You know, he, even an artist miles bigger than me, is, you know, that would definitely be something they're going to remember. So that was one of the, you know, highlights. Obviously doing Heaton Park. You know, I was having experiences like that, but not long after that, I think the, the lifestyle of being in a band and the party sort of aspect of it, really sort of taken hold of me and it was just every, everyone sort of looks at me as like the party host you know what, what's going on tonight let's go to Johnny's flat you know so it was just non-stop really and that and that led me into some dark places and I became dependent on on drugs and, and alcohol and you know everyone knows you know when you get dependent on them when you get bad on our drugs and stuff like you know things don't go well yeah, you don't yeah. do them stuff. You don't. You don't do stuff like that. And your life gets better. The year it, it gets worse. So that that actually led me to, to. I ended up at one point. I was sold all my guitars, other than one. I lost my house that I bought through debt, and I basically gave music up. I, I stopped. I was barely even listening to music at one point. I just thought a lot. I lost. I lost who I was, um, and it was it was sad. It was really sad, really. But and it was tough. But luckily, I've got good people around me still. Uh, I've got a good dad, you know, he stuck by me, you know, just about, you know, I, I saw the light and I, I've got back into doing music again. And, yeah. you know, I, I, I appreciate everything that comes to me now. Yeah. Uh, I don't take anything for granted. And, you know, hopefully, you know, I'll never go back to, to the places where I was, you know, yeah. at, at some points being homeless. It, it wasn't good and it was sad, you know, it's sad to have come from, you know, doing, doing so well for quite a few years. So that was, you know, it was a shame. So, so I'm really, I'm really, you know, honoured to be back and, yeah. and be healthy and, and, you know, be up for it again. We should give a big shout out to your dad, Kevy. Is a, a character? I think without him, you probably wouldn't have done what you've done because he stood by you pretty much right through it. Like he's saying, I know he's had his own, uh, he's had some personal tragedies in his life as well, and you lost your mum recently. 
you've had some pretty dark stuff going on around you both and uh, around you all but it's brilliant to have you back and this new album is absolutely just stunning john it's absolutely a masterpiece it's just it's it's I know you've made it yourselves, you've uh, funded it yourselves, you've released it yourselves, you've got no record companies helping you particularly at the moment, I don't think. Um, no. And when you listen to it, it's like it's pure rock and roll, man. It's just like there's just none of that bullshit that goes with most of what we're used to in the industry these days. There's none of that in there, is there? No, no. I think it's, as, uh, it's a modern, modern day guitar record. Uh, so it's, it, it's not stuck to one style because I think in this day now, People, you know, back in the old days, you had like scenes, so you had mod scenes and you had the punk scene and, and generally people in those scenes listen to that kind of music. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas now, now everyone's got quite a diverse music collection. Do you know, I, I've got hip hop music to punk music to, to rock and roll to Northern Soul. So people have, have a more sort of diverse uh, music taste. So I thought this record should sort of, cover a few styles so i managed to pull that off we managed to pull that off without you know making it sound too bonkers so so there's a lot of different styles in there uh, but it was just honest it's just an honest record we just you yeah. know we wrote the songs the songs are from the heart the you know they start off as acoustic tracks mainly uh, and we've we've put them together we all shared a love for, for rock and roll and the same the same groups and stuff like that uh, and we, we, you know, we did it in a in a studio in Manchester, Cheetah Mill uh, Vibe Studios. So it, you know, it, it was made in a local studio with a local producer, Dean Glover. He's also a great, a great guy. It's just honest. That's all yeah. I can say. We, you know, we're not trying to be anything that we're not. We've just we're just putting music. We're putting out music that we we love. We like listening to it. Yes. I think it's at the end of the day. for people that have heard the first two albums. It's like it is. There's some pretty big shifts in direction on a couple of tracks. I mean, I am immune is probably a classic twisted wheel like people would have expected on the third album. But to me, you mentioned Lemmy. It's got more thread in there. It's got the Ramones in there. It's got the Damned in. There. This is just in that one track and Oasis. All all rolled into I am immune. So you get that. Yeah. And yeah, this is classic. Twisted Wheel album three, but then you go on to a track like DNA, that's a track that you wrote about your mum. When I first heard that on the radio, I thought I've never heard an indie record, and it's probably not even deliberate, but it sort of crosses over beautifully with LA rock, like Guns N' Roses and Leonard Skinner and Neil Young. Do you know what I mean? That's what I get when I listen to DNA. It's a great, it's a yeah. great British indie band, but it's got this other thing that I've never heard an indie band do that that rock crossover <laughs> like that. Yeah, well, that, that's brilliant, mate. That's just what I want. That's just what we want to hear when, when people listen to that track. It was like, yeah, Neil Young, like Lennon Skinnerd. I mean, because I, I grew up loving, that was another band that like, I got into as a kid, Lennon Skinnerd and Neil Young. Uh, my dad was always playing. A lot of indie bands seem to sort of shy away from the guitar solo. And I just wanted to make a track that had a big, a big guitar solo in it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, so I mean, Ben's a great guitarist. Uh, so he give him, he give him the chance to show off his skills. And uh, but then obviously, like, there's the emotional part of the song, which is you know the main bit and the lyrics. And, yeah. and uh, I think I think we we pulled it off that track. We got everything into it. We wanted to get in. We wanted the emotion and the feeling, but also we sort of wanted that energy and sort of the the you know the the positive side of it. So it all, it, all, it all came out how we, how we wanted it to, that song. Yeah. And the track Ghost, man, that's a fascinating one as well because it's, uh, it's based on a fictional character, and it? It's just, he's a, a bad guy, isn't he, that have written a song about. Totally fiction. It's not you singing about yourself, is it? No, no. 
uh, it, it, it's, it's loosely based on a true story, but I've added things. So, you right. know, that, all, all fictional stories come from some sort of truth, I guess. I like the sounds in that song. I like the, we, yeah, we, we sort of a bit of a surf, sort of maybe a bit of a 50s guitar sound <laughs> and a bit of surf rock. Yeah, definitely got a 50s vibe to it. The last track I want to talk about is Satisfying the Ritual, the title track from the album. Again, that's something that I don't think anybody expected Twisted Wheel to be making a record like that in the near future, because that, to me, hints at whatever the fourth album's going to be, it's going to be proper out there based on something like Satisfying the Ritual. Yeah, that's, uh, that, that's another thing. That's what we wanted to get. I love, I love hip-hop music. Uh, I love hip-hop music because... I see it as a it's a it's a kind of like punk. It can be it's kind of, it's that anti-establishment. You can you know it's political in some you know some of it's political. You can get your point across. It's sort of a do what you want. It, there's there's not, there's not many rules. You can you know you can sample what you want from what any kind of music and as uh, you know, I just love that freedom that you can have in hip hop. So to introduce hip hop to Twisted Wheel. Uh, is a big thing and it's opened the doors like you say for the next album now I think you know that, that track Satisfying the Ritual has been accepted by the fans and by the people who've listened to it yeah. so it's opened the door it's opened the doors for us to experiment in that kind of music uh, which I'm, I'm well up for because I don't want to stay doing the same the same genre you know I want to progress yeah. uh, and the, another thing was uh, I'd stopped writing when I'd had I'd lost, I'd lost my house and I was down and out and everything was bad. I stopped writing and I tried writing again when I sorted myself out and I was struggling. So I started writing some rap sort of, uh, I was listening to hip hop beats and writing rap music and, and it got me writing again. I tried writing a rap and, and that's what sort of set me off to, to writing poems and, and you know, uh, being lyrical again. So, so I'll, I'll forever love hip hop for that. I'm guessing, Johnny, that right musically, I bet you've never felt as liberated in the 15 years that you've been making music. Uh, no, definitely. Like I said before, uh, I, I'm very grateful for everything now. I'm grateful for being able to play guitar. I'm grateful for having a good band around me. You know, I'm grateful for having respect in the industry and you know having people you know back us up. Uh, and uh, the fact that I'm writing again, that just that's channeling all sorts for me you know it's getting stuff out my head and making me more positive um and you know we're picking up new fans which it's not just like we've come back and we're playing to the old crowd you know we've got loads of new fans on board now and they're all you know there's, there's you know older people and younger people it's, it's a good sort of range of of ages who, who are into us um but yeah to be back and to, to be appreciated and be picking up new people uh be selling out gigs uh, being on tour with Liam Gallagher, you know Liam giving us the opportunity again to play at you know play at crowds like that, you know arena sized crowds. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I can't, you know, I can't complain. Obviously, I want to get, I want the band to be more successful. I, you know, I don't, you know, I want, to, I'm not just content. I want, I want to be doing more. Like you've got to be, you know, you've got to be like that. But, but I am very happy for what I've got. Yeah. And, you know, I appreciate, I appreciate it very much. What's the first thing you're going to do when the uh, lockdown finishes? Oh, I'm going to go. For, I'm going to go to the pub, mate, and have twenty pints of beer. Uh, yeah, tw- I'm going to have about five pints of Guinness, and I'm going to get on the bitter, uh, and then and then uh, and then the scotch, then the scotch or the Jamesons, uh, and then and then I'm going to decide what I'm going to do. I, well, I'd like to book. I'd like to say I'm going to book another day, but you know everyone's skin. 
you know, it's it's uh, it's tough. They surviving with no with no income and stuff. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. That you know, every aspect of everybody's life is affected. But as musicians and DJs, it's going to be interesting for us to see how this all affects our our reality. You know what I mean? Our our career. I mean, I can't imagine a twisted wheel gig with social distancing. Can you? Because everybody just piles, no. piles on top of each other, don't they? <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, there'd, there'd be a, I, I, it'd probably be frowned upon having a twisted wheel gig pretty soon. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I, you know, I, you know, I, re, I really hope that things go back to normal, so, you know, as soon as possible, like everyone does. Mm. Uh, and I know safety's got to come first. I know all that. But a lot of people live their life by going to gigs. Absolutely. They work all week. Yeah. And they, you know, they save up and then they plan what they're going to go and see with the partner or the friends. And that's what they look forward to. Mm. You know, they, go, they might buy the new clothes to go out for that. You know, it's just part, it's part of life. It's so ingrained into our culture yeah. uh, that I think to have it taken away is going to cause, it's, it's going to cause riots, I'm sure, at yeah. some point. So <laughs> we, need, we need to find a way. We need to find a way. And it's all good having this online stuff. And being able to, you know, use Zoom and do gigs uh, on, you know, Facebook and Instagram and stuff like that, but uh, which is great, and it's great to see so many artists, you know, out doing stuff like that and earning money for charity and, and whatnot. But you know, we, uh, you can't be the real thing, can you? So, well, fingers crossed, yeah. we'll back to some sort of normality sooner or later. Let's talk about the Manchester spirit generally. I mean, uh, even though you're from, like I am, I'm from Oldham as well, but I very much consider myself part of the. Uh, the mank thing. What is it about the Mancunian spirit that makes us not better than anybody else, different than anybody else? I think that there's a lot of there's, there's a lot of people in Manchester. Like like I said before, there's a lot of different genres and uh, people accept. People, I think Tony Wilson said once, didn't he? Did he say Manchester kids have the best record collections? So there's a lot of people with with you know good taste in music, which I think you know plays a big part into it. Uh, obviously, the the history. And, you know, you've got bands, I mean, uh, 10CC from Stockport and, you know, uh, the Hollies, the Buzzcocks. There's always been great bands come from Manchester. And then I think the fact that it rains all the time plays a big part in, in it. You know, there's, it, it is quite miserable, the weather. So, you know, what else are you going to do when it's raining? If, you, you know, you've got a band, you can you can stay in the practice room, can't you? Yeah. And write, write yeah, songs sure. about being miserable. Uh, yeah, but yeah, write songs about being miserable or, or, you know, about the weather, which I find a lot of Manchester bands do sing about the weather, definitely. You know, through the history that's gone before, was like, you know, from the Hacienda and all the stuff when you was, you know, you was about and stuff like that. There's so much, there's so many interesting bands to look back on and be inspired by. Uh, and I, I, I just think there's a, there's a cool mentality in Manchester. You know, like I said, people are just open at stuff and, you know, generally generally quite friendly people. So I just think there's, there's just a lot of create, creative juices flowing. Is that Joe Strummer on the wall behind you, Johnny? Oh, can you see that? Yeah, yeah it's Joe uh, Strummer, yeah. It took me a while to figure out who it was. I thought, it's not Kev. And then I, no, I no, no. Joe, Joe Strummer, isn't it? Looking down on you. Yeah, yeah, that's Joe. Uh, Stephen Lynn did that. He did our artwork for the album. Right. Um, yeah, so I've got a few, I've got a few of his actually. Uh, yeah, good old job. I've got Elvis on my wall. This is this made studio at home, so I've got Elvis. And the story oh, brilliant. is that when I was in the Clint Boone Experience on my rider for every gig, I'd have like a bottle of cheap Merle or whatever, some red strand. But I'd always set a, a picture of Elvis in my dressing room. And I did a really? gig, I did a gig in Brighton, and they came in with that. This massive picture of Elvis was on the wall for me, so it's followed me around ever since that fella. You've um, kept it since, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, totally, yeah. 
So, Johnny, before we get off, I've got to ask you a couple of questions. The first one being, who are your favourite humans of Manchester, past or present? Um, my first uh, choice, my first one is Miss Carter, who was my English teacher at school. And I was, I was in the bottom set. I'd not done very well in the previous years. And she was trying to sort of get, get, get me going. And she asked what I was into and I said music. So she, she got me into writing poems, which, which then led on to me being able to write songs. Amazing. So I'll always be thankful to Miss Carter for, for getting me writing. Have you ever had a chance um, to thank you for that? I haven't, no. I've always right. sort of thought, uh, you know, I'd love to bump into her in a shop or something, you know, at right. some point. I've, ne- I've never, I've, I've asked people, you know, who, who went to the same school, do you, do you know, Miss Carter, but no one seems to know her, so she must right. have left, you know. Go find her. Years Go back. <laughs> yeah, we'll track her down. Miss Carter, yeah, he, yeah, the English teacher. I, I've got to say, my dad, uh, he's been there supporting supporting me through music from day one in the band, in the children and stuff like that. Uh, you know, he's helped out managing a few times when we've had no manager. Uh, he's, you know, he's let me off the hook with a million and one things I won't go into. <laughs> uh, he, but he's, you know, he's always been supportive and, you know, he's, he's clever as well. He's taught me a lot. He's quite a smart guy. So, you know, I look up to him very much, my dad. I love him a lot. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I couldn't not mention him in top three humans. And number three, uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Liam Liam Gallagher because uh, for for Liam to have gone out his way to put us you know to get us on I mean he actually fought to get us on the Lancashire Cricket Ground gig um, I think the promoters wanted another band on and Liam said no I want Twisted Wheel on I'm not I'm not budging Twisted Wheel going on so he actually fought to have us on there which means a lot but you know obviously we did the Oasis gigs years ago. Uh, but you know that was ten years ago. So for ten years later, for him to still you know give us an hand and invite us on tour around Europe, you know just to acknowledge us and give us that support, really shows what a decent guy he is. And uh, at this moment in time, you know I've, I've really got to appreciate every bit of help I get, and you know for someone of his status to 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 have give us a lot of love, basically, you know I really appreciate that. So so Liam, number three, good choices. Uh, before we go, Johnny, describe Manchester in three words. Uh, passionate, crazy, poetic. Beautiful. Johnny Brown, thank you for being a human of excess Manchester. No, thanks for having us. There you go, that was Johnny Brown. Next time, I'm joined by author Emma Jane Unsworth, currently residing in Brighton, but having been born and raised in Manchester, very much a human of excess Manchester. Don't forget to follow us on social media and subscribe to Humans of Excess Manchester. Rate us, feel free to leave us a review. We always like to get your feedback. Stay safe, look after each other, Manchester. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.